paying attention, which is, wow, Tejas, you'd be like, that's, that's so obvious, pay attention. But there's a certain order of things. So you, you pay attention. You, you're able to pay. There's these things called ultradian cycles. So we're able, we, we all work, every human being, in 90-minute cycles of things, including our sleep is really in 90-minute cycles of, of slow-wave sleep and then deep sleep and so on. So what I would say for advice for learning is to intentionally start a 90-minute window where you're, you're, you're paying extreme levels of attention, meaning your, your phone is somewhere else, you're absolutely no distractions, um, paying attention. Hello and welcome to Developer's Journey, the podcast bringing you the making of stories of successful software developers to help you on your upcoming journey. I'm your host, Tim Bourguignon. On this episode, I receive Tejas Kumar. Tejas has an engineering background spanning over 20 years, from design to front-end to back-end to DevOps, and probably more. Today, he shares talks at large with developer communities worldwide, equipping them to do their best work. Tejas, welcome to Dev Journey. Hey, Tim. It's nice to be here. It is nice to have you on, believe me. But before we come to your story, I want to thank the terrific listeners who support the show every month. You are keeping the dev journey lights up. If you would like to join this fine crew and help me spend more time on finding phenomenal guests than editing audio tracks, please go to our website, devjourney.info and click on the support me on Patreon button. Even the smallest contributions are giant steps toward a sustainable dev journey. Journey? Thank you. And now, back to today's guest. So Tejas, as you know, the show exists to help the listeners understand what your story looked like and imagine how to shape their own future. So as is usual on the show, let's go back to your beginnings. Where would you place the start of your dev journey? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably place it inaccurately. Uh, I feel like, you know, me and everybody else has multiple starting points. But if, <laughs> if we think about the earliest one, um, it would have to be, gosh, it'd have to be 1990, um, what is three? I was born 93 plus eight is, ni is uh, I guess, 2001, um, when I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's when I, I first created a web page. Um, and it, it was really an exciting time because I had no idea that's how the internet worked, where my brother actually taught me. He said, here's how you um, create it. You write HTML within some angular brackets and head and title and body. And then he's like, we're using Notepad. So he's like, this is a text file. Save it, but use the .html extension and watch what happens. You know? And then we opened it in a browser. Um, it was Internet Explorer 6. And I was like, whoa. What? Because I'd, I'd, of course, I had seen web pages before, and I had no idea that that's what was happening under the hood. Um, and I think that's definitely where uh, the journey with code started, for sure. Do you remember what that first page was about? Yeah, it was something like Hello World, you know? But what I, what I do remember was it was my brother expressed to me that it was very, like, heavily opinionated about the, the order of HTML tags, and maybe it was like that and it's changed over time. For example, today, I don't really ever need to write HTML at head and things like that. I just like write my divs and it works, which is probably violating a lot of standards, but it does, it does work. Um, you know, but back then he insisted, no, you have to have a title. You have to have a head. You have to have a body. 
Um, that's that's what I do remember. And he was like scared to omit those things. And he was right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, just in terms of accessibility, I, I wish we were sometimes more consistent about this and yeah. really help help uh, those, uh, for instance, do uh, screen readers to really yeah. work with all those. Right, and also it would help, um, you know, if we use semantic HTML instead of divs for everything. Um, also, I, I think the the real thing that people tend to miss is the lang attribute. I think if you have an HTML element, the lang attribute is absolutely a must, mm -hmm. um, especially mm -hmm. as you go international. Because um, I live in Germany, and most websites don't have this attribute, and as a result, like the browser's internal translator doesn't pick up. Um, you know, hey, do you like do you want us to translate this in English? Because it just doesn't know what language. Okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, so where were you following in your brother's uh, footsteps back then? Was, was he already ahead of you programming and, and doing a lot of stuff, or was it just for fun? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so he he was at, at an age, he's four years older than I am, so he was um, 12. And he was at an age where my parents decided it's time for him to do something extracurricular. Um, what might that be? They were like, I don't know, there's stuff happening with computers, Let's let's get him good at computers. And so they sent him to the best thing they could think of, um, which was some computer stuff. Literally, it was told to us as some computer stuff, right? We didn't particularly know it was the web or HTML. It was just like, <laughs> I don't know, computers, go do it. Um, yeah, and so he was in the class. He wasn't as interested as I was, I think, because at the time he didn't see the potential. Um, so I wasn't following in his footsteps. Instead, he just liked to, to teach me stuff. And the reasons why he liked to teach me stuff, um, which he still likes to teach me stuff, is because um, we were not, born with equal opportunity um, at all. I, I, have a, I have a really bad, to this day, I have a really bad illness that in the past has cut me off from a number of opportunities that most healthy people have. And so my brother used to, and to this day does walk around with, you know, this, this mindset of, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to support him because he's not um, on the same footing as everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think he has more of an amplified version of that where he feels that not just for me now, but for everybody, right? Like he's this person who absolutely wants to like end world hunger and, and really believes in leveling the playing field because he's been exposed to the, just the criminal inequality of opportunity that, that I was um, born with and exposed to. And so now it's like his whole life's mission to, to, to fix that. Um, yeah. But that that is fantastic. <laughs> no, for first that he feels this way, and then that he was able to do it for you at the very early age and set you on this uh, on this path. Yeah. So, uh, did you did you for you said you said that you you were you were um, more interested in it than than he was. Yeah. Did you did you feel the potential that it could have and and bite right away and and feel this could become your future or how did yeah. that transition go? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I um so because of my. Um, illness. Um, I I couldn't do things. I, I you may you may remember a movie called Bubble Boy. Um, or, it rings or, a bell, uh, yes. Yeah, it's a movie where there's this really sick. I think it's Jake Gyllenhaal who just can't do any. He lives in a bubble. Um, and and I have that con not not particularly that condition, but I have a condition that you know everyday tasks um, is are, tend to be fatal for me, if not just very dangerous. They're either life. They're definitely life threatening. Wow. Um, so so tasks like. Um, you know, climbing a, a set of stairs or walking around with a backpack or opening. I once, I once landed in the emergency room by opening a door that was too heavy, you know? Um, wow. And so, yeah, so it's, it's really, it's not a pleasant thing. And so I did definitely see the potential because I just had more time on the computer because doing anything else literally would like be detrimental to my life. 
Um, so I spent a lot. Of, I spent a lot more time on the computer. Um, meanwhile, my brother was at school, which I didn't have the the luxury of going to. Um, so that's that's what led me to see the potential. Um, but above and beyond that, not only did I see the potential, I had the time again because mm-hmm. he went to school, my parents went to work, and I was alone at home every day for something like 20, 18 years um, with literally nothing to do except there's a computer. Um, and, you know, there's only so much, like, video games you can play and stuff you can do until, until you're like, oh, my gosh, I just I want to do something. I want to do something new. I want to do something creative. Um, I want to do something more than just drawing pictures. And so then I resorted to, um, like, Photoshop. We used to have these really cool, like, forum signatures back in the day with these, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. With these pixel fonts and glossy oh, fonts, the, the tux, the penguin from Linux and things like this. <laughs> and so I just I was being creative in Photoshop. And then, you know, eventually I was able to make the jump from drawing pictures in Photoshop to actually making interactive experiences on the web. And I was like, whoa. What is this? And so that's, I think that's why I was able to recognize that. Meanwhile, my brother was, you know, doing what healthy, normal kids do and go to school. You do some studies, you play some sports, etc. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, so did, what, what did you do or what did you apply those knowledge or those research uh, onto? Did you scratch your own itches? Did you have uh, passions that you said, hey, I, I need to build a website for that? Yeah. How, how did you keep on learning while uh, keeping interested, I would say? That's, that's so, you know, so many people have, have asked about my story, my journey. I mean, I've told this story multiple times, but I've never got this question, which this is a really good question. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a very, very good question. Um, it was part- partly scratching my own itches, but it was also wondering how did they do this? So for example, I, I love, and I still to this day, I love the Luna UI from Windows XP. I was like, this is just a, ma- it's a beautiful, like the, the, the blue bar and the gradients, mm-hmm. uh, just fantastic. It, it represents this texture that isn't like Apple's aqua. It's not this like watery thing, but it's got this fine detail. Um, and so, you know, I'd be like, how, what does it take to implement this? What gradients can I do in Photoshop to, to make this exist? And so then I'd go Google, I'd go search for like tutorials on how to do this in Photoshop. Um, and that exact same like pursuing of knowledge also then came to the web. I'd be like, okay, so I have this form, but now when I submit it, how do I make it like do something? And, and it's only a matter of time until you realize, oh, there's an action attribute. Okay. Um, but then this action attribute goes to some type of server side thing. And then you find, oh, congratulations, I found PHP. Right. Um, and so that's exactly it. I was just like, okay, how do I make a contact form? But I want to make it do something. So I'd, I'd search. There were great um, resources on the web at the time. Uh, there was a website. I think it's still around. It's called tizag.com, T I Z A G. Um, this is where I learned PHP um, and serverful code. Um, in Beep, it's still around. And it's this beautiful old, 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 old style of web design. Wow, this website hasn't been updated in like 20 years. But, but this is where I learned. Um, and Part of what also drove, drove rather, excuse me, drove the curiosity was, I spent a lot of time on internet forums. Um, this was a th- this was a bigger thing as well back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. on, on platforms like Simple Machines, PHPVB, Envision, VBulletin was like the market leader at the time, and I was just fascinated. This is like random people all over the world get together and just talk. And oftentimes there was like small t- there was forums about literally nothing. Um, and it was this, this like, it wasn't quite social media because social media didn't exist. It was almost social media 1.0. Um, and it wasn't quite as invasive as instant messaging, like M- like Windows Live Messenger, MSN Messenger, Yahoo Messenger, AIM, et cetera. 
And so I spent a lot of time on these forums and I was, I got to thinking, I was like, what if I wanted to make my own? Um, how would I do that? And, you know, I, because I recognized the elements in a forum, I was like, okay, look, there's, there's a, there's a form to create a topic and a post. There's a WYSIWYG editor. There's these components. And I was like, I could easily represent these in HTML. Even better, I could draw them in Photoshop, use the slicing tool, get a really nice table-based layout, um, and, and then ship it. Uh, and the only thing that was missing was like the server-side PHP stuff. So then I went to Tizag and I learned PHP in MySQL. I was a Windows user at the time, so I fell into the WAMP, uh, WAMP, WAMP stack, which was mm-hmm. Windows, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. And built it. I literally, I had so much, I had all the time in the world, man. Like everybody was doing healthy person stuff. And I, sick boy, um, when I wasn't, I spent most of my life actually in the emergency room. But when I was at home, um, that's what I would be doing. So I built a forum software. It was called Radiant Board. Uh, if you Google, you probably maybe find it. Um, and also a, a content management system to compete with WordPress at 13 years old. I was just like, I was like, how do they make WordPress? Oh, cool. Um, and so... Yeah, I built a few projects and learned uh, from there. And it was driven by how do they do this? And it's funny you ask this question because now in talking to you, I realize that whenever, so nowadays I speak at conferences. That's what I do with like most of my time. Um, I I spoke at a conference last year in India. I'm speaking, sorry, not last year, uh, pardon me, last week in India. And I'm speaking at a conference this week or next week um, in the United States. It's called That Conference in Wisconsin. And it's a 90 minute talk. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how I can talk that much, um, but but speaking at conferences now, um, it's it's interesting because the talks that do the best, that are the best received, are talks about how things work on the inside. So probably my most popular YouTube video of all time is a talk titled "Deconstructing React," where we what we do is we write a React app, but then we remove the import statement that imports React. So then you have a bunch of errors in the console. It says, cannot read, create element of undefined. So I say, okay, there's an object that's undefined and it expects a property create element. And then we just literally like piece by piece, we'll create React from scratch. Nice. Yeah, and it's the same scratching of the itch of curiosity that has been around since, you know, the back in the day with the forums. Yeah, that's, that's I think, been my main way of learning. It also translates above and beyond um, code to things like fitness and food, and really everything. I tend to have this innate sense of like, how does that work? Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It's a it's a holistic picture. Then uh, it's a, it's how you function, how yeah. you work. <laughs> um, when did you realize this thing you've been you've been living as a I want to say hobby, but it's it was your life at that time. Um, when did you realize this could become my life? This could become the center of my life. Uh, that's a good. In some ways, it was always the center of my life um, because it's all I had. Um, And this is, so I now, especially after living in Germany, am exposed to the tremendous amounts of privilege um, a lot of people have. And, and, you know, it's not to say that there's more here than other places, even in Qatar, where I grew up. um, A lot of people have a lot of privilege and they have the privilege to, you know, finish high school and go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And then just like chill for a few years and then be like, you know what, management or, or even, or even, you know, you know what, history or, you know what, art. Like there's a lot of people who like don't know what they want to do and then spend all the time in the world figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's some next level stuff. Um, <laughs> because for me, 
I was I grew up dependent on medication with without which I would be dead. Um, and that's 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 still true today. Like if I don't take my medicine, I die within a week. Um, and so it was kind of important that either my father had a job and we had a visa to stay in a country where I could get reasonable healthcare, or I myself have a job that I can um, have a visa to stay in a country with reasonable healthcare. And so I've been like literally dependent on this. But also, um, I had I had I want to recognize enough privilege to have code always be the center of my life because I had literally nothing else. Um, and you know, it's a two-sided coin, but I feel like there's benefit there because I never once in my life had to stop and think, okay, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Literally, since the moment I wrote HTML at eight years old, I, I knew, I was like, this is this is the thing. So much so, two years after that, my parents um, saw a lot of promise. Uh, they were like, wow, this, this guy is like going a bit nuts. And so what they did was they they decided, okay, you know what? It's a challenge for you to do anything regularly because you just keep falling apart and like having emergencies. Um, but we're going to try. We, we want to invest in this. And so they sent me to a course to learn computer stuff. Again, they, they didn't know what they were signing me up for. Um, again, we just didn't know that the web was a thing. And so they put me in a class that, um, pun intended, in a class that taught me object-oriented C++ <laughs> this is a big jump from, from the web. <laughs> and, and the people, so I, I'm at this point, I'm 10 years old. I'm 10 years of age. As you can imagine, 10 year olds, you have children, I'm assuming are not very, very big. Um, so I, I go to this classroom and there's people in their 30s, 35, 40. They are computer science teachers at schools who the school like had sent them to like uh, learn something before they can teach the children to, as a training uh, program. And, and then in walks a 10 year old. Right, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, this is the cutest thing ever!" What is he actually going to learn? Does he think he has a chance? Um, <laughs> and honestly, like I, I learned this plus plus with everybody else, uh, and it was fun. I, I, I wrote some good programs, programs like calculators and things like enter your name and then it greets you. It's like hi name, uh, and and you know you read from standard in standard out, and and in C plus plus like importing those libraries, there's just names like c o n i o dot h, and for me as a ten year old, I'm like. Cone, Cone, is this an ice cream app? So there was, there was a lot of that. Um, but I did finish that course. I have the, the certificate signed and everything dated at, at 2003 when I was 10 years old. Um, and so to answer your question, I just kind of knew this is what, what else, what else can I do, man? I can't do sports. I can't make, I can't do food. I can't do art. I can't do history. I, there was nothing. I, I grew up hearing from every side, listen, you're going to die young and there's probably nothing you're going to do with your life. Right? So that I found this one thing that kind of sticks and I'm like, okay, I guess this is my thing. Um, when I when I finished that course, it was like in the newspaper um, and my, my school found out about it and they like wanted to do this like ceremony to honor me. So we had a morning assembly um, and in front of the whole school, they were like, we'd like to recognize Tejas for getting this thing at such a young age. And from that point, everybody at school was like, oh my gosh, what C++? That's not because the older kids got it. Um, and, and everybody came up to me. I was 10 years old and they're like, hey, just remember us when you're famous, okay? This is going to be a big thing. You're going to be a big deal. You're going to, um, hey, can I fly in your private jet one day? Like there's a lot of, like a lot of children coming up to me. And I was like, what's the big deal, man? I just made a greeter. Um, yeah, but that's, yeah. So uh, to, to answer your question in a long-winded way, you know, some would say I chose code, but in truth, code chose me for sure. This was predestined from, from a very long time. <laughs> Lovely to hear. Do you, so do you have the private jet now? Do I have the project? I, I don't. No, the, the private jet. Ah, I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs>
um, okay, so um, if if uh, if the uh, the the answer was not in finding your passion, when did you make it a job? No, that's that's a really that's a good question. I I, I always struggled with doing anything consistent. Again, going back going back to this illness, right? Um, it was a cycle. In a school year, I attended. I was able to attend rather nineteen days. So in a year, nineteen days. That was my record. Wow. Yes, because the rest of the time I'm bouncing back between an emergency hospital and my house. The reason being, um, I have this fatal illness, and it, so the, the costs to manage the illness are today nine thousand euros per week. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's about half a million a year, something like that. And in so I was born in India, and in India, you in India you just you can't afford this uh, period. Um, and, and if you do, you're probably going to get something, you know, that, that's been improperly stored or contaminated. And so um, when I was four years old, somehow, uh, this is another story for another time, probably my father got a job in Qatar where, you know, he, we still don't know how he got the job. He's not, he doesn't have a degree or anything. Um, and we moved um, and we new country. We didn't know where anything was and so on. Um, ultimately, I had a near death experience. I had lost all the blood in my body. It was very dangerous. Um, and they took me to the emergency hospital and they, they fixed me up. Everything was fine. But now my parents are thinking, oh man, what is this going to cost? Right. Um, turns out emergency healthcare in Qatar is just free always without condition. And so we're like, oh, this is awesome. And, and it was, so I, I could get the free medicine and I did for a long time. Um, but it had to be emergency medicine. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, the, the, it was literally, I would go to school on Monday on Tuesday, I'd recognize, oh, no. So, so the, the condition, by the way, is that I, I, I never stop bleeding um, internally mm-hmm. or externally. I just never stop. This hemophilia? That's right. Yeah. Yes, I have, I have the worst kind of that. Oh, so if, okay. if I climb upstairs, I'll start to bleed in my knee and I'll mm-hmm. stop until it's too late. So in Qatar, it was only in the context of emergencies or to be free. So I'd go to school on Monday. You know, I'd walk to a classroom, maybe go upstairs. Tuesday, my knee is just you know, the size of my head, I've lost a lot of blood. It's very dangerous. So Tuesday, I'd probably go to the emergency hospital. Um, they'd treat me. Wednesday, Thursday, I'd recover. Friday, I'd go back home, wait a bit, go back to school on Monday and repeat. This repeated for like 18 years, right? Just a cycle of trauma. And so I tell you this because, you know, when did I make it a job? There was always a lot of trepidation. Like, can I go to work every day? I, I sure as hell couldn't go to school every day. And to go to a job, you have to go to work every day. This was this was pre-COVID. This was pre-remote work. Um, I decided to make it a job when, after high school, um, everybody went off to college. I couldn't. One because my family couldn't afford it, but two because I, it was a it was a bad investment. Probably even if they could like take a loan or something, um, what are the odds I finish? Very low, right? Mm-hmm. So didn't go to college. I kind of just stayed home, just doing random stuff, whatever you know, a young man trying to find himself does making music. I thought I'd have a career in music. I was a singing teacher for a while. I got into stand-up comedy. I was a pastor in a church. Like I was like all kinds of things. Um, just trying to find, you know, what, what, what am I supposed to do? And a lot of people would talk a lot of smack to me. They would say, oh, what are you doing with your life? Are you just kind of, is this a failure to launch situation? Are you just kind of going to live with your parents for the rest of your life? You piece of, you know, they would, <laughs> they mm-hmm. would um, and so I, I would, that would weigh on me, um, but I would kind of forget about it until um, we visited my brother who had moved to Australia. So my mom and I, we had nothing else to do. So we went and visited him and um, 
he had a lot weighing on him. He was not looking healthy. Um, he was very tired and burnt out. Uh, and I was concerned. So I asked him about it and he said, you know, you're sick. Mom and dad are going to get old at some point and they're going to have to retire. And he's like, who do you think, who do you think has to bear all this responsibility? Right? And I was like, man, that's awful. I can't imagine the weight of that. And it was then, that was November of, I want to say, 2015 or something. No, 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 not 2015, uh, 2012, um, 2012, 2013. Um, and I, just, I went back determined as ever. I was like, I can't just let him do that. And so I, from then, just with no education, but a bunch of experience building hobby projects and, and internships and things, I also won an award that kind of helped. Um, after all of this, I applied to every job I could find um, within Qatar and ultimately got one at a really hip and cool um, design agency. These people do like branding, messaging, mostly print, but they started to recognize the value of digital stuff. And so they brought me on board to, to help that, to support them with digital efforts, web pages, apps, things like this. Um, and it wasn't long until they made me the digital lead. Uh, and that was my first job. So I got it out of wanting to, well, do something, make something of my life, um, but also wanting to support my brother and, you know, look after my family as they, they grow and age and things like that. Um, that said, there's a lot of privilege in knowing that had I not got that job, everything would have been fine. Uh, and then not, not a lot of people can do that. A lot of people turn it into a job out of like sheer necessity. Like it's this or I'm not eating. Um, thankfully, I've always had and do always have people who will make sure the basic needs are met. And I think that's, that's a huge contributing factor to my, you know, quote unquote successes. I have a safety net and a baseline that I don't take for granted that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, you, you mentioned before, so you were really driven with understanding how it was done, how it was made, how it looks under the cover. How did this first job um, um, uh, match this? I mean, you don't have the time anymore to look at everything. I turn every stone and say, hey, this, this looks interesting. Now you have to be productive. Now you have to reach some goals that are not necessarily the ones you would set on yourself if you were completely free to do this. How do you deal with that? That's a really good question. Um, there's, there are a lot of data um, in medicine. By the way, this, this is my, 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 my thing. One of my biggest passions in life these days is medicine. Um, you can probably understand why. Um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and there are really compelling, really good data showing that um, our brains, especially as we grow, so from, from infancy to about 25 years old, um, are very plastic. Um, and they change a lot to adapt to various stimuli. Um, but they grow differently for different people depending on their environmental factors. And I think this is really powerful because there's, there's plenty of evidence that people who are born blind um, have exactly the same brain development as everybody else, but the brain is developed to not dedicate its circuits for vision, they, they're blind, but that same circuitry is then dedicated to other senses like hearing or smell. So this is well accepted in the world and in the literature that blind people hear better than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, deaf people see better than the rest of us or smell better than the rest of us this is because our brains are so awesome. Like they don't invest in things that don't work. And they, so I, I tell you this because I tend to learn things very quickly. Um, so, that, you know, we, we already talked about this curiosity that I had. Um, 
I would go from like on Monday thinking about how do how do forum things work, and then next week Monday I have a, a forum software, right? Right? Like I and so it's a combination of I had the time, but also my brain didn't really get much exposure to like sports or physical stuff. It was, I didn't even I learned how to ride a bicycle just a few years ago. So all of that brain space, I'm I'm convinced, and I'd like to confirm maybe one day with an fMRI scan or something. Um, all of that brain capacity went, I feel like, to learning. Because this is also something today, like as I work today, a lot of the people who I work with go like, oh my gosh, how did you do that so quickly? Um, how did you learn that so quickly? Um, and so as I got the job, um, there were deadlines and things, but you know, my, my boss often put challenges in front of me that I didn't know how to do. Um, but because it was my first job, I was like, oh no, totally, I can totally do that. Absolutely, yeah, no problem. It'll be done by the weekend. Um, completely making it up. Uh, but I did... Every single challenge, I evoked my curiosity, and it was that same circuit that drove me to build websites many, many years ago. I used it to face the challenges she would give me. Um, some of the challenges were, for example, hey, there's this client. They need a native application, a desktop application. I know you're a web guy, but can you somehow do this, right? Um, and this is when I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never done that before. Do I need to learn Visual C++? Do I need to go Visual Basic? Like, how do I... But if, if it's visual basic, then it's not going to be cross-platform. And I started thinking rapidly about these things and ultimately arrived at, I think it's called PhoneGap Cordova or Ionic or something like this, and learned it, instantly used it. And within that week, they had the app they wanted. Uh, I made it as a web page, the UI, um, the user interface, and then packaged it up as a binary. And I was like, here you go, right? Um, so yeah, the, it's, it's that same neural circuit, I'm convinced, that just comes back and comes back to this day. So these days... I speak at a lot of conferences about topics that, frankly, when I agree to speak at the conference, I do not know. Um, but the conference organized, this happened last week. I spoke at this conference in India. I, I proposed a talk on a different topic, say topic A. The organizer was like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, we want you to speak, but can you do a different topic? Can you do, you know, React server components? And I was like, bro, I don't know what that, and as I was like, so in my mind, I'm like, I don't, okay, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so I went hard, man. I was like, okay, it's open source. So the code's probably there. Let's start reading. Uh, and I, I read, I read, I read. And within two weeks, I had a good enough grasp of it that I could prepare a talk and explain. And I did this talk and it was very well received. And to me, that's the measure of, do I even know something, right? The great scientist, Dr. Richard Feynman, um, says, a mark of somebody who truly understands something is that they can explain it clearly. Um, mm -hmm. So I could do that with server components. And I feel like I have learned and um, do understand it. And that's, again, the same neural circuitry that has been somehow evolved for me to just learn things rapidly. So um, it wasn't an issue at my first job, um, you know, making the time to learn things. Um, I think because of that reason, I still learned and kept in touch with things. And to this day, I still do learn and keep in touch with things. Mm -hmm. So how do you um, do you pick what you want to work on nowadays? If you have interest in everything and kind of jump on anything and, and are ready to rumble pretty fast, um, how do you pick? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it really, I, I'm driven, this, this will sound horrible. Um, my brother probably won't like this, but I will, I'm driven by capitalism. And, and, and I don't mean, I don't mean that I'm chasing money, but what I do mean is I'm chasing the things that, people pay money for, put it that way. So in, in, if I want to focus on what should I learn, I look at, okay, well, what, what are people talking about? What is driving the economy? Um, 
and and that's usually a good ballpark to land in. So if if I think about what's driving the economy, you know, probably I'll find that people are talking about and evaluating tailwind CSS for some type of like productivity gains. Maybe it makes you write CSS faster, and then I'll follow that rabbit hole and dive deep. Um, similar, I'll, I'll look at um, products that people are talking about, like Quick from from Builder IO, Solid JS, Solid Start for literally. Like if we talk about capitalism, they just raised some money. I was like, oh, why are they pouring? you know, hundreds of thousands into this. Um, and so I kind of just follow what people are talking about and, and try to have a good enough understanding because in my line of work, it's only a matter of time until someone comes and they're like, hey, you're that guy who explains things. Can you explain this to me? And mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a heuristic um, like any other. I mean, if some people are pouring money into something, it's probably because for most of the time, there is a reason, a good reason for that. Sometimes it's just pure capitalism and there is no reason and the product is crappy, but it's yeah. still getting some money. But most of the time, it's getting some money because there is some traction, because there is something interesting. So yeah. it's a good heuristic. Yeah, and, and, and I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of, how can you say, it's a lot of attention to be paid to knowing what, the, what thing that receives a lot of money is worth pursuing and what isn't. For example, from day one of this, you know, NFT nonsense. Um, I just knew. I was like, yeah, people are spending billions on pictures of monkeys, but this this isn't this isn't this isn't it, right? Mm-hmm. And having that intuition, I think, is also really key. Um, I still, to this day, don't understand how how people think there's something more to buying pictures of monkeys for for billions. Um, <laughs> get it either. <laughs> yeah, I I, um, I talked with uh, with Max, the uh, the um, the author of uh, of um, how it's called brew um homebrew and he created a company called uh, called t t.xyz yeah. and that was the first example when 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 he spoke about it the first example of a blockchain where i said this makes sense yes. the whole rest you can you can throw it out down the drain but this finally makes sense it, it, it's been years yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah bye yeah and that's fundamentally the problem so another criterion i can add to the things that i try and pursue knowledge in is things that can or do solve fundamental human problems. Um, and, and so as far as I know today, blockchain hasn't really solved what I would consider fundamental human problems outside of maybe secure money transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't really seen blockchain come in and like solve education or healthcare or public transport. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas there's things like quantum computing, right? That, that can solve encryption for the better. Um, or even decryption in some cases that can solve um, things like quantum teleportation or even why go so far? We just look at AI Um, chat GPT for all of the, all of the, you know, flack that it catches, all of the criticism um, has been at least for me, an absolutely invaluable tool, especially as I pursue knowledge, right? Especially things that have been documented prior to 2021. Like I can ask it literally anything and then get like tailored individual explanations to me mm-hmm. um, where, where the psychological effects of things like imposter syndrome just don't apply. Cause like, so what if ChatGPT thinks I'm a new, it doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> so, so it's really valuable to learn. Like I can't tell you the number of times I've gone to ChatGPT and I said, okay, can you explain one more time the citric acid cycle to me? Um, and it will do that. It will talk about pyruvate and all of this. And I, I, okay, great, thanks. And then I go for a week, I forget it, and I just keep asking the same question without fear of, like, chat GPT thinking I'm stupid. It probably does, but it doesn't matter. It would be, you know. Well, by the time you become sentient and, and uh, we'll, we'll be 
dead or old. So yeah, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, I, I feel we missed a step in, in the story, which is um, how and, and when did you realize that you could make a career out of not doing the work, but learning faster than the other and working on restitution, working on teaching uh, others to, 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 to learn this and the oh, material. Yeah. This is another pen. You're, I, I like, I like these questions. You're, you're, you're a fantastic podcast host. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I, I didn't ever once ever in my life. And to some degree, I still don't think about making money uh, <laughs> like at all. And, and it's a bit weird cause I'm a business owner now. Um, but I'm at a point where I literally like, so people, so I have a consultancy that um, we work with clients to help them with developer relations, DevRel. And they come to us and they say, hey, can you help? I said, absolutely. And then we start talking about money. Um, what's this going to cost? Can you give us a quote? And I say, no, I can't. Um, but maybe maybe y'all can give us a quote. Like how much do you want to pay, right? Because I just, I've, I've never really um, done it for money and I still don't. I just work with whatever our clients want to work with usually. And it's fine. Like we're, we're doing well. We're actually hiring another person um, this week. And so it's good. Um, but yeah, I, I, the point of where did I realize that I can use the curiosity and the learning acumen for money um, hasn't arrived um, even, even now. Like uh, money is a byproduct, but like this idea of like leveraging, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe has given me for money um, ha- hasn't registered. Like what, what I'm trying to say is, is money happens, but it's often a side effect. Um, yeah, but you ask about teaching. Uh, I, so I teach a lot. Uh, I'm speaking at nearly 40 conferences this year. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. Out of the 52, <laughs> 52 week year. Yes. 40. Um, but that is something that is, is multi-layered. So on the surface, I do it because I genuinely love sharing the things that I've learned with everybody. Um, and I, I feel also a sense of responsibility. Like I have this ability to learn things really quickly and then explain them as if I really know them because I do, like Feynman says. Um, and, and, you know, in, in being able to teach this, other people can learn as well. For me, that's that's definitely it. I definitely do not make money from speaking. I want to make that really clear. Um, the conferences will pay for like flights and hotels and things, but nothing else often. And so it is very much public service. In fact, it costs me a ton more than it benefits me to do this. But I, I, I think it's, it's, it's valuable for the people. Um, but that's one side of the coin, right? There's more layers to this. Um, and I think one of the biggest layers um, is, you know, I, I spent the first half of my life uh, hearing, you know, you're probably going to die young. Um, you, you will probably be nothing. Code might be great. You're going to get a private jet, whatever. But I mean, come on, you, you die from a backpack. You, like what, what, you know, so th- there's always been this underestimation. Um, and every time... I have the opportunity to, you know, get up on a stage with how many ever 500, 1,000, 2,000 people and teach them things that I know that I, I'm pretty convinced many of them don't know. Um, it, it allows me to retell the story. It allows me to um, reshape the trauma. So I, I go back to this trauma in my mind, at least, of people telling me, yeah, you're probably going to die. My mom, uh, you think I'm exaggerating. My mom, the day I made it to 10th grade, um, was shocked. She was like, whoa, I did not expect you to live this long. And she meant it. This was not a joke. Um, and so every time I, nobody expected me to live past ninth grade, really. And so um, when I get up on stage and, and, and teach people things that they don't know, 
how, how does React server components work internally? They don't know. Um, what, what I retell is the story of, you know, hey, you're never going to, you're probably going to die young and nobody's going to want to listen to you. And, and the retelling of that story is thousands of people over the course of a month want to listen to me such that they even pay to get me there, right? Um, so it's really undoing trauma is part of it, but also a public service is another part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, did, did you have, did you have um, uh, clients trying to get you to speak about their products yeah, at conferences? Sure. How do you deal with that? It's hard. I, I, so as of um, since April of this year, or, or rather May, let's do May. Since May, I have not, I've turned down all of them. Um, I do not speak for clients. Uh, and, and if I do, um, I make it clear up front. I'm like, hey, just so you know, the, they paid for it. And I, I agreed uh, because I do believe in their, pro- but I, I do, I'm not a fan of like this shady marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels dirty. Um, also, I have a lot of people trying to become clients of us just so that I tell all of my followers about their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also something that's a hard no instantly because all of the people, whoever follows me for whatever reason they do, um, I know personally more or less. Um, and there's a quality of relationship there that I would rather not muddy with like baseless recommendations. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I see, and I totally understand that that must be hard to really uh, find the right balance, what, especially when you like something, when you yeah. like something that the customer is doing. Yeah, I want yeah. to speak about that, but nah, how it will it be received? Well, and pro- uh, go ahead. What what's harder is there's a certain exploitation as well that, that nobody talks about. But like, so I, I want I'll share with you two examples, and I know uh, I want to be sensitive to the time as well. Um, two examples. One is. People in Berlin, this, this happens, will, will invite me to parties. Hey, come over. Yeah, we're just going to give you a meal. It's going to be great. Okay, cool. I'll show up. And we're having a great time. We're vibing. But then it's like, wow, look at this food, man. We made this. Do you want to take a picture of it? I was like, yes, I do. Okay, cool. Now, do you want to tweet that picture and tell everyone how great we are? Um, that happens a number of times. Uh. Um, but second, there's conferences um, that will want me to show up, speak at the conference, they have a ceiling on the amount they can reimburse for flights and hotels. They'd be like, I don't know, it's a hundred bucks or something, which doesn't really cover the full amount. Um, and they will not also do an honorarium. Uh, meanwhile, they sell tickets for, you know, 400 to a thousand euros and they record my content that I create and then upload it to their platforms to which people have a monthly subscription of, you know, 10 euros a month. So there's a lot of money changing hands for my content that I don't even get, a hotel and a flight for, right? Mm-hmm. And this is somehow just okay. So those, some um, events do this and I'm a little bit weary of them, um, but there, there's a whole dimension of, of once people know who you are, um, there's room for exploitation uh, and that we don't talk about generally, um, but I think we should. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember the uh, hashtag on Twitter a while back, the pay to speak hashtag. Yeah. And that, that was really a very hard discussion about privilege and, and who you get as speakers at conferences and who yeah. can afford to uh, not work for a couple of days, travel, not pay or pay from their pockets uh, for everything and basically be on stage, which was a bit cringy. And, uh, yeah, which which I feel like the bare minimum is is a flight and a hotel. Yeah. Um, just make sure someone's physically there, right? And ideally, there's an honorarium. I want to shout out, if I can, um, Smashing Smashing Magazine. Um, mm-hmm. they do uh, a number of conferences and they treat speakers extremely well. They pay an honorarium, they make sure you're there. And they also like give you like a per diem for like, Hey, you're, you're outside your home. So we want to make sure you, you're, you're accounted for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, 
they're probably the best run conference I, I've seen. So. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, for the for the advice, I'd like to come back to learnings, and come, this this seems to be the centerpiece of 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 your story. Um, you you spoke about about brain structure and how maybe your brain is structured a little bit differently to uh, to be more efficient in learning or be more effective in learning. Um, still, would you have some 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 piece of advice in how people can learn more effectively when their brain is normal with big air quotes uh i don't think there's some such thing as yeah. normal brain but still uh when you don't have maybe uh, maybe a, um, a special uh, um, ability in learning but there, there must be some tricks that you can use to help your brain to help yourself be able a better uh, learner do you have yeah. something like this absolutely um what i can tell you is learning gets um a lot harder past age 25 i'm 30 i've experienced this um <laughs> So it becomes, so I think in terms of practical advice, the first thing I would say is if you're under the age of 25, prioritize that highly, like a social life even can come later, like, like take advantage of your plasticity because it is finite. And you probably the biggest nightmare for, for me, for most people is you wake up in your fifties and you're like, whoa, I didn't do anything with my youth. Right. Um, so prioritizing that pre-age 25 is absolutely essential. Um, and I think there's there, there's plenty of, of papers and research um, that study learning. And I've, I've read, I would say, most of them, at least that are published up until this date. Um, and there's evidence that shows um, really behaviors that would help you get better at learning. And these probably were behaviors that I just kind of did naturally, um, but that also um, benefit learning. Um, these behaviors are paying attention, um, which is, wow, Tejas, you'd be like, that's, that's so obvious, pay attention. But there's a certain order of things. Um, so you, you pay attention. You, you're able to pay. There's these things called, um, what is it in the literature? It's called ultradian cycles. So we're able, we, we all work, every human being, in 90-minute cycles of things, including our sleep is really in 90-minute cycles of, of slow-wave sleep and then deep sleep and so on. So um, what, what I would say for advice for learning is to intentionally start a 90-minute window where you're, you're, you're paying extreme levels of attention, meaning your, your phone is somewhere else, you're absolutely no distractions, um, paying attention. And then it's really important after your bout of work, um, you go do something very intense um, such that your adrenaline is really high. Um, this could be something like mixed martial arts, working out, running, cold shower, or whatever it may be, just to like shock your system. Um, because the literature, it really lends itself to the, the idea that we remember such shocks. Like it, it enhances our memory. Um, for example, if you're driving home, um, kind of standard procedure, no big deal. You don't tend to remember the boring drives. But if you drive back home and you see a really bad car accident where someone is dismembered, you will probably remember that accident for the next week or so. And that's mm -hmm. because our brains respond to adrenaline. They respond to like, oh my gosh, um, they respond to shock. And so... Um, after an intense bout of paying attention, you know, um, doing something to shock your system and trigger some adrenaline helps. Um, I, I love adrenaline from cold showers personally and exercise. I, I do some resistance training here and there. Um, and that has also been really beneficial. I, I must note though, I only started doing, um, resistance training after I moved to Germany and got the healthcare, the, the better German healthcare. I, could, I couldn't do it before. Um, and then of course, I think the, the, the last, probably the most important thing is, um, sleep. Because like, we all write code, I'm assuming we do anyway. And when I write code, 
um, if I forget to save the file and close, uh, it'll ask me, are you sure? Do you want to save first? And this is what sleep is. Sleep is really, I feel like for the human being, sleep is save and close. And then mm-hmm. you wake up the next morning and everything's sealed, right? So, so it would be 90 minutes of intense attention followed by some type of shocking adrenaline inducing activity and then getting really good sleep that night. I feel like would would really help anyone learn anything. And indeed, that's that's what happened for me um, when I was younger. And now I pra- after I've kind of outlived the years of plasticity, I this is how I intentionally learn things today. Thank you so much. That's very analytical and uh, a nice way to put it. I, I love it. And I'm gonna go take a shower right when we're done. <laughs> Tejas, it's been fantastic. Thank you for telling that story on the air. That was really cool. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real um, honor to be here. So where would be the the best place to continue this discussion with you? Um, Twitter. So I'm on Twitter at Tejas Kumar underscore. I assume there'll be a link in the show notes. Yes, there will. And also on LinkedIn. uh, That's just my name, Tejas Kumar. would be great. Uh, I'd love to connect with people and talk more. Sure. Um, Anything else you want to plug in? Uh, actually, no. Life's good. Thank you. I know this great podcast called Software Developer's Journey. Uh, I, it's a great uh, thing. You should maybe subscribe to it. But no, nothing besides that. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. And this has been another episode of Developer's Journey. I will see each other next week. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed this week's episode. If you like the show, please share, rate, and review. It helps more listeners discover those stories. You can find the links to all the platforms the show appears on on our website, devjourney.info slash subscribe. Creating the show every week takes a lot of time, energy, and of course money. Would you please help me continue bringing out those inspiring stories every week by pledging a small monthly donation? You'll find our Patreon link at devjourney.info slash donate. And finally, don't hesitate to reach out and tell me how this week's story is shaping your future. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at timothap, T-I-M-O-T-H-E-P, or per email, info at devjourney.info. Talk to you soon.